1: Good morning, everyone. I hope you guys are doing well. Depending on where you're at, it might be the evening, afternoon. You can always take us with you in the car by turning your phone into a mobile radio. That way you never have to miss an episode of Trending. Just head over to radiotrending.com in case you don't get to hear of all of today's show. Or maybe you want to go back to an old show you heard of Trending. Just head to radiotrending.com. Com. I have with me in studio today a guest who really has incredible expertise in character formation, especially of adolescents and children, in his work through his Ph.D. dissertation. He's looked at the formation of the two sexes as a male and female and how important that virtue formation is. At a time when sexual education is being incredibly confused and the roles of parents is is really becoming disintegrated or um, ignored, this is important to get back to our roots of what has the Catholic Church been calling us to. So today we'll be getting into a well-integrated person and what that means and how that really begins at home. Today, my guest is Dr. Philip Chavez of the Men's Academy. He's the founder and president and doing incredible work specifically with men on calling them into their mission.
2: Yeah, and it's something I really enjoy doing, but it was that dissertation that led to that. And yeah, we all want well-formed men, and um, yeah, that's what we're aiming for at the Men's Academy.
1: And you don't have to be someone who's parenting or teaching adolescents, but in fact, all of us, I truly believe, have holes in our own formation. Small areas that are easily overlooked. Sure. Maybe a parent didn't have a certain area of formation, or we ourselves weren't uh, akin to receiving that level of formation as Exactly. Well
2: exactly so and there's different ways of discovering what a good solid human formation is and by ongoing reading discussing things with others um yeah there's many different ways but also ultimately i think we find in the example of christ and uh despite where anybody's at i think we have to remember our life is we're called to be in conformity with Him as long as we're walking with them, I think we can get to where we need to go.
1: Now, this is a really big deal if we dive into it. Dr. Chavez, I've been looking at studies. We've been seeing really since about 2013, 2014, there have been trends showing that teenagers are the most stressed out group here in the United States. And in fact, that stress level only elevates as they get ready to go back to school and walk through the school year. And when you ask teenagers how they expect their stress level to be in in the near future and distant future they expect to be more stressed out in fact they're more stressed out than adults and college students about 40 to 60 percent of them are saying things such as they have extreme anxiety depression and with the teenagers there's this tendency to suicide and these mental health issues all of it tied together that is really pointing to the fact that adolescence should be a period of trans transition, transformation, but instead we're seeing it's a form of mental illness today.
2: Yeah, and I think what happened, I, th- I think there's a case for many of the students. Remember, the stress may be found in the student as, as in many ways he may have worries or feel self-judged or whatnot, but remember the stress comes from a fear kind of response that probably was actually started actually when the child was in the womb. So if a child has a mother who's been stressed, I think even more and more we find ourselves more in stress situations. And so if a mother's stressed carrying a child in the womb, that's going to actually stress out the child too. And the first two years also of development, they're vital to help the child be at peace and be steady so if a mother too is stressed or she's working she's over busied then the child won't develop properly and so my opinion is for many of these kids that's kind of was there an incipient problem
1: well and this goes back to the entire cultural challenge today having to do with we're living in a society that is so busy and if you look at overall reviews of female happiness women are less happy less satisfied than they were before and in fact a A couple months ago, we did a show talking about who's the happiest, who's the most satisfied. And in fact, it's women, faithful women, women who are practicing their faith, living in more traditional homes where they're caring for their children and living in the home, not necessarily having to balance everything of working and raising children at once.
2: That's right. And we have to remember, fundamentally, happiness is found in love and love is encountered in relationships. And I think what's happened is we've made life so much about the goals and the things we try to obtain. And even we can even be caught up in the good works that we do, even for a great cause and a noble end and the common good. But I think overall, uh, if our life is not centered in relationship, we're not going to be well navigated. And all of these things, stress and depression, all these things could easily result.
1: As we talk about this, we have to hit on what are some of the areas where the teens are also mentioning stress? Because I want to start, you said a second ago, Dr. Chavez, that was so profound that, in fact, the stress level is actually being developed in the child in utero and in their early first couple of years. So the right. stress of the mother in utero, those stress mm-hmm. hormones can impact the child's development, psychological development, and then even those first couple of years. But what are some of the questions of teenagers when they're asked, okay, What's bothering you? They're actually sharing that social media, smartphones, body image, self-perception is a huge thing. And they're actually saying that this cell phone social media use is actually essentially creating a lot of um, low self-esteem, comparison, anxiety, depression. To what point? To what point is what we have to ask? Why are these teens experiencing that? Because it's a distraction from their own selves, their own natural developments, it's a distraction from really allowing themselves to be confident in who they are in sure. relationships rather than this dependency on social media
2: right. and And again, I think in some way, we're going back to some of the initial problems where if a child didn't get much validation and love growing up and much attention, and in this case, even like a, a much effective attention from the parents, Uh, they're going to be, I think, ultra-sensitive, and so they're going to be worried about being judged, or they're going to be worried about conflict, they're going to be worried about being badgered or something like that. And so uh, I think kids, one of the difficulties is social media causes them, it causes all these fear mechanisms to rise, and cause causes them to fear and uh, be insecure about many things.
1: In fact, I was just hearing that there's a legislator that's getting ready to propose a bill that would really be addressing the fact that modern day tech companies social media companies amazon google you name it are actually they we've talked about this they view their customers as quote users other than the drug industry not many other groups actually view their companies as users but it's specifically to address the issue that psychologically these companies are consulting with people to create psychological addictions to their different forms of media and so as we're talking today about character development you have to remember that things such as overuse of technology and not learning temperance and moderation can really impact this character formation.
2: That's right. And ultimately, Timmery, we're supposed to be acting such in happiness and in love when we move from the inside out. Even our faith should move from the inside out, us witnessing Christ and moving outward. The problem with social media and exposure to other forms of media is that we learn to be entertained, and so we don't move and operate so much internally. We let the outside affect us, or rather in this case, disaffect us. So it keeps a child from thinking properly, keeps them from reasoning. But also, that one of the difficulties of social media, it causes an instant gratification. And so this is why we uh, some become addicted, because they want to go back to their phones, because there's something that feels good about getting a new text or, or a new post or something like that. So I think what happens is kids are, tr- are being fed so much, and they're being charged uh, and entertained and stimulated, that um i think they'll find themselves in depression when they don't have these stimulations
1: that's dr philip chavez of the men's academy you were listening to trending with tim Murray. Let's be honest. It's not just teenagers who are sure. experiencing this. I think this is relevant for all of us. I think that's right. And the reality is, is we do need more character formation. We look to the catechism and it talks about how we need to be rigorous. We need to be disciplined. And at times we need to be more intense in that formation. Usually when you're non- younger, sure, so that it can be formed that character. But the problem is a lot of people never receive that formation. And so the rigor is having to take place later in life after habits and a lifestyle where some of this rigor seems extreme
2: that's right and so part of the part of what we need to do to help correct this and all of us need to do this even if if there aren't any struggles is that we need to be doing things for which we internally reflect every day this is why prayer is important prayer actually helps the personality why because it starts from internally one thinks cogitates meditates and then sends sentiments out to god and so meditation thinking cogitation even just simple reading is what adds to Kind of development where we learn to move from the inside out
1: this is what the saints and the catholic tradition stands on. absolutely yeah if you look at psychology even a lot of the medical field they're starting to say you need to do something like some meditation that's right you need to pause maybe you need to stretch for a bit they're saying this because what's missing is the ultimate act of worship in the human soul
2: i think that's right i think that's right in an extension to that i think just even the contemplation of even just natural truths that are that are elevated truths just things to think about which which elevate our minds and hearts even poetry does that that's why that's so important but uh, yes, other things of spiritual reading where we can read about the higher things, God, the angels, Jesus Christ, the saints. These are all thoughts which lift us up and help ennoble our personalities.
1: And that prayer life has to come first. You know, the saints recommend 30 minutes a day of prayer. We sure. need to be praying when we rise, pray when before we go to bed, and not just a quick mumbled prayer as we fall asleep, but intentional That's right. on our knees. Carve out that daily time. Make it a habit so that a month from now, six months from now, you have have the habit where you never miss morning prayer or you never miss evening and night prayer. These should be ingrained in us already. That's
2: right. And once those habits are ingrained, such we pray from the heart, we come to actually enjoy those things and want to do those things. And I find too, Timory, the more we can connect with God heart to heart, their we will come to understand heart to heart, or connect heart to heart with other people.
1: No, we mentioned prayer first, but what I was going to point to is how we actually really need to turn toward, like you said, poetry and reading. In fact, I love fantasy fiction. I'm not a sci-fi person, but I just did a post yesterday on my uh, Instagram story talking about how I got the second book of the Taylor Marshall series, *Sword and Serpent*, and the book's story is excellent. It's about the legend of Saint George, and he puts a lot of early church history into it, but but even things such as good literature allows us to be at rest and even to contemplate truths if it's good
0: literature. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. that's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timmery, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics.
1: So what's the answer? Earlier in the show, I talked about how the APA, that's the American Psychological Association, talked about how teens have higher levels of stress than ever before. And in fact, even higher levels of stress than adults. We broke that down earlier. We're going to be diving into more of the answers. We talked about prayer, reading, and many other elements prior. Before we do that, I want to really call everyone, especially in the state of California, or if you know people in California, to a majorly important action alert. I like that majorly important <laughs> so in california some of you may know that we're fighting senate bill 24 we've been fighting it for two years it was defeated last year because governor jerry brown vetoed it but now what's at risk is that if this bill passed we're looking at over 500 additional abortions per month taking place in the state of California, because the bill proposes that all UC and Cal State University schools in the state of California, public schools, need to offer RU486 abortion pills, which are so damaging for women in their bodies, but also it destroys a human life. And so we're calling everyone to take action. We need to get a letter sent over to one of the offices Uh, Who's really doing fantastic work here in the state of California to really speak up and advocate for the severe damage that's being done if we allow this to go on? So I'm asking you, I'm tweeting this out, posting on Facebook. Essentially, what's happened is California Fair Life has put together a letter. If you send your letters to them, they're going to send all of them to the senators and those who are voting to ask them to vote no on SB 24. But you need to get them in before August 19th. So please keep an eye out. We'll be addressing this and make sure you send your letters in.
2: And where can they download that form?
1: So I'm posting them on social media. You can find me at Timmery on both Twitter and Facebook. I have in studio with me, G- I almost said Jimmy G. My, my sound engineer just saved me because I was messing up with the clock here. He is really the nimble fingers behind the sound boards and everything operating here to deliver crisp sound with awesome radio coaching here. In studio with me today is my dear guest, Dr. Philip Chavez of the Men's Academy. I want to get into some of the answer to the crisis right now with teen depression, anxiety, and the confusion. And that is parents as primary educators.
2: Sure. Uh, That's a big topic. I hardly even know where to start. But again, I think it's important that teens, even at all stages of development, especially as they move through their teenage years, children need to learn that family is what's most important. You know, it's interesting. I remember a quote of Pius the 10th, he I think he summed it up well. He says the end of all education is to form boys to be husbands and fathers and girls to be wives and mothers. And so what I think what's happening in when we're forming children now, we're not forming them for family life. We're forming them to accomplish things and and to do what they need to do to get into a good uh, college someday, so that they can get uh, you know get a great job and then make a lot of money. But um, so there's so much of an orientation toward k- of kids to what they're doing and not who they are. And there's there needs to be simply more communion in the home, and uh, you know, and a restoration of of activities which which uh, bring together that communion. Especially, I'm, I'm even surprised now how many families increasingly don't even have dinner together.
1: Well, and I look at what you're saying, and it's essentially a turning away from the relational element of the human person sure. and reduce it to this productivity that just creates stress and tension that's and right you look in the extracurricular activities that are too much and out of the mouths of teenagers they're complaining that they're overwhelmed i've heard some i was talking to someone the other day uh, about 30 years old and said yeah i actually wish i did less activities i remember how stressed out i was in high school
2: yeah and so i think one of the difficulties is It's in the nature of a child to try try to please their educators, their coaches, their parents, and whatnot. And I think there's a high-level expectation that's put on kids now to accomplish, to succeed, to do many things. And I think if we put less expectation on children and learn to accept them for who they are, I think that would help in great measure.
1: In the early... 20th century, we had Pope Pius XI and Pope Pius XII as I read in much of your dissertation work, really talking about how essentially the shrinking of parents to fulfill their educational responsibilities and in fact their outright neglect because at times it is intentional or there's a fear, there's anxiety and so sure. say, okay, I'm just going to put it over here. But the Pope's Pius XI and XII referred to this as actually evil and it goes against what the Catholic family's called to.
2: That's right. Catholic families ultimately to form, we could say on a spiritual level we're called to ultimately form in Christ, to take on the person, the identity of Jesus Christ and to move in his image. More approximately, at least in terms of, of overall formation, we want to emphasize that it's character formation, which is the end of all education. And I forget where Pius Twelfth makes it very clear. And so even when you send your children to a school, the formation of their character is what is paramount. Not that they're educated well in all of these subjects. And so and so character formation is what is to be paramount and in the navigation of all parents when they're raising their children.
1: So essentially a parent's goal is to have a well-adapted child that That's right. can handle whatever crisis or challenge occurs. Yet instead, these children are being sent, especially here in the public school system in California, into an already hostile environment to their character formation so that the character formation has a real difficulty in developing.
2: I think that's right. And the state now tends to think in a very communist, Marxist, Naziist kind of mentality that the children actually belong to us. We're responsible for their education. We know what's better than the parents, and the parents really don't have any kind of primal role. We have the primal role. And so without any kind of cooperation with parents in the role of education, it's going to go in a bad direction.
1: We've talked about this before on Trending, how essentially some of the countries that have the highest test levels, in fact, go to school a lot less. I mean, for example, Finland has, I think, the second highest in math, reading, language, and they have less than four hours of school per day, for example. And I was looking at, you know, there are moments I'll never forget, Aristotle, uh, I read something from him a few years ago where he mm-hmm. said that for every book you read of the current century, you should read two or three of a different century century because it keeps checks and balances of human nature and how we're doing things differently but what is true across all time and so I thought about that when I was looking at well what are the number of hours that kids are spending in school today I looked at 1905 so just a little over 100 years ago and it showed that only about and students only went to school about 105 hours or sorry, 105 days. And at the time it was expected that they go to school about 151, but it wasn't mandatory. Today in 2018, children go to school for an average of 180 days. So again, on the average over a hundred years ago, it was about 105 days. Now it's 180. It shows what's happened is Children are spending increasingly less time with their parents. That's right. And that doesn't even add on all the additional extracurricular activities that are taking place to a fault because extracurricular activities are good still.
2: They are. They are good, but like all good things, they shouldn't be in excess. And I think right. what's happening is we're, is there is so much in excess where kids are just too busy now and too preoccupied to actually really even enjoy life. But what I think what's happening too, again, we look at time things in, in the past. Yeah, children definitely played more they spent more time outside remember the average child or actually the average adult a hundred years ago got nine hours of sleep before the advent of the light bulb that's pretty much what people had and so Much of what's going on now, many of the problems I believe we're facing in adults and children, and which is negatively impacting children more, is sleep deprivation. Mm. Children just aren't getting enough sleep and bodily refreshment to do the tasks, and so it takes them longer, and they don't do them as well.
1: Well, doesn't that go back to, okay, you have anxiety, you're depressed, start with sleep, start with food, and then start with exercise, all of which quality of we're we're struggling with, but that goes back to basic character formation, doesn't It it not?
2: Absolutely. If, yeah, because in character formation, we have to form every part of the child as the church teaches. So, and Pius Eleven breaks that down into seven areas. He says, and these are all things parents must be attentive to.
1: That's Dr. Philip Chavez. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Let's touch on those just a little bit. So intellectual sure. formation, education, right? Sure. But not just how much data do you have, but also there's an element of wisdom that should be developing in intellectual formation.
2: That's right. And remember when church i think it's good to go back when the church ever speaks of education it's not about formal instruction it's about full fullness of character development and so with uh yes with intellectual formation yes that's that's you know there must be um you know of the three gifts we have wisdom understanding and knowledge and so a child must be trained in wisdom to see the higher things in knowledge to understand a number of different subjects and in understanding to understand the more proximate principles of things So, yes, in in education, children must, um, must be exposed or have formation, all those three different types of knowing
1: and right now we're reducing it to information that's right without understanding and without wisdom
2: that's right and and again the understanding and wisdom um, yes goes back to some of the more serious reading uh, we can do you know you even mentioned Aristotle there are there are other authors that can help us see the purpose in things and so in guiding students this is or guiding children this is what parents need to do when they do it in their intellectual formation they help must help children um, understand the nature of things and the deeper reasons for things
1: now can you speak to emotional formation that Pope Pius the XI 11th or 12th.
2: Both of them sp- spoke much about emotional formation you know every child is supposed to have a uh, well all adults even we're supposed to be developing into where our emotional um makeup is consistent constant so where we're, we're usually at a study of peace and calm where you know we're supposed to have anger at right moments but not excessive um you know i think we really believe depression is a cause too of what's happened without the proper emotional regulation and so a parent helps a child um especially a mother you know m- women have these great gifts for um You know, they have a very... I'll, I'll say, I'll use the word complicated or sophisticated emotional makeup by which they can help empathize with a child and help move and guide its emotions and calm a child. Uh, there's there's a way a mother can calm a child the way a father simply can. And so when parents are attentive to the emotional makeup and dynamics of the child, they can attend to a child when they're getting too angry or their fear or frustrated, all these other things. And, then, and so that kind of formation needs to be ongoing.
1: And this is a challenge. People get so emotionally thrown off by something that happens that so many young people Especially young girls are on an emotional roller coaster today. So, we're going to be diving in when we come back more about the parents' role and how we can form our characters.
0: You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory.
1: We're talking about the formation of children. And as we talk about that, it's actually fantastic news to look at what's happening in Denmark and Florida. A little review as we see, divorce has been very high over the last 50, 60 years since the sexual revolution. Denmark has actually stepped in to the point where they recognize they want to help children under 18. And so they're actually mandating for parents looking to divorce who have children under the age of 18 that the parents go through essentially an online course that's quote cooperation after divorce after taking the course the two parents that want to divorce have to wait three months to take this time of reflection to really consider the impact on their children and their responsibilities moving forward so this program's just being implemented but i think that it's good to really ponder how is this going to impact the child because so while Often, sure. The idea is they'll adapt. It's fine.
2: Yeah. Or that, that the parents really are looking too much at their own relationship and navigating life out of what they're getting out of their marriage instead of leading to the common good of what's good for the family as a whole. And so it, I think it's easy in today's day and age, and again, with social media and emotional difficulties and all these problems, we could tend to easily be so self absorbed where our world is about how we're receiving our relationships. And so I think what's happening is we're looking too much or. Individuals who are married, they're looking too much at their own needs and their own desires and such that, you know, life isn't good or or won't be harmonious unless those are being properly met by the person in their life. But they need to see more and more people need to learn that, no, marriage and and love is about giving. It's about going outward from oneself's own needs to another's.
1: I remember reading an article parts of it on trending a couple of years ago and it was about this mom who had custody of her children and it was on one week off one week with her husband and she was talking about how much she would look forward at the end of her week to being by herself you know drinking the wine sure. kicking back relaxing and how you know it made her such a better mom because then she actually looked forward to seeing her kids again but then she was ready for them to leave sure and it just takes this mindset of it puts me myself an eye at the center of the whole situation, instead of the Catholic Church's teaching that the parent's responsibility is to, or the married couple's responsibility, is to procreate and then educate and form that child.
2: That's right. And maybe to go back a step here, Timory, one of the things that I think why women are so exhausted, why parents are so exhausted, I don't think we get enough support from grandparents. You know, there's there's a natural responsibility of, that grandparents have to support their own children, helping the raising their their children. So you talk about this woman who's who feels exhausted. You know, when she's w- when her kids are with her, and she's so relieved when they're they're going away. The, the difficulty is, what's happening is women, mothers, are not getting enough support from other women around them, older women that should be helping them raise their kids, so they can have these moments of refreshment which they aren't experiencing so much today
1: and this is something we've seen studies are showing with the boomer generation it's the first time you've seen the greatest distance between grandparents and grandchildren because many are retiring to different areas with non-frequent visits and so it's a challenge to really center yourself to the best of your ability. And I understand there are challenges in an environment of support and ideally the family to form the family.
2: Exactly. And and so I think um, of the earlier problems we're talking about, children with depression and anxiety and all these things, I think if they had their grandparents around them, their uncles and more their family and more family time, I think all of that would diminish. Again, the importance of grandparents and and uncles and aunts and whatnot, always being involved in the formation of the child child and, and trying to be as much a community as possible. This helps for the development and the well-being of everyone involved.
1: We have to remember also that the Catholic Church, the members of the church, are a part of our family. And I think this study coming out of Florida really speaks to this. It's incredible. Dr. Philip Chavez is here in studio from the Men's Academy. Check this out. Between 2015 and 2018, Duval County in Florida saw a 28% plunge in their divorce rate. And here's what happened. One gentleman, in fact, a Catholic gentleman who back in 2008 wanted to go to D.C. to help change the world by working in politics, saw the importance through his own experience of needing to work on the family. And so going back to Florida, took up this philanthropic study and ended up finding that if parents, married couples were invited to come to church, Mm -hmm. that in fact, the divorce rates would plummet. And so what he did in his study in implementing this over the three-year period is he worked in funding so that churches within a five-mile radius of their church could send out direct mail, social media campaigns, and advertisements getting people into the church. And this helped reduce the divorce rate.
2: That's right, remember um in we're we're ordered not just to family life, we're ordered to community as well, and so good communities form good states, and so this is why the 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 state does have a very vested interest in preserving families but also, it, it's incumbent upon the state to recognize that yes, fostering religion, fostering the faith or f- churches rather, that uh, and those communities, it's it's really does work for the well-being of all. And when in these smaller group communities, parents are able to find the support, they're able to find some mentoring their need, that they need. They're even to help uh, with the, with even the raising of their own children, and whatnot, even some religious training. And so, there's so much that churches, especially even smaller churches, can offer. This is why it's always good when. You know i'm unfortunately the catholic church we've we've i don't know we're dropping more and more into this mega church concept and i think we lose some of that personal touch and so yeah so when we can get back to the churches somehow we make life again more personal and more communal
1: We have this underlying principle that when you go to church is developed and begins to be understood of why these relationships are so important. So this dives into a bigger question. For those who are just joining us, that's Dr. Philip Chavez of the Men's Academy. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Shout out and hello to all our new listeners, especially those listening on Spirit Catholic Radio Network. What I want to dive into is the challenge of many parents who we talked earlier, some are often intentionally kind of defaulting and just saying, "Okay, I'm going to send my kid over here, whether it's for faith formation, education, whatever it might be. Some of it might be economic reasons, um, fear of not being able to fulfill the duties, whatever it might be. But what parents are often recognizing that they feel uncomfortable trained and also we find that they're inattentive because of their lack of role models and upbringing that has now been taking place for generations and so there's this fear and anxiety that sets in for them that they feel inadequate sure.
2: yeah and i think what's happening and this is where i thought you're going to move into more directly you know when it comes to let's say for example which is the example i want to bring out is faith training you know the church is clearly taught that the Faith training is really found in the home, and I think what's happened, what's been a real crisis in in the Catholic and other ch- Christian churches, is that we need to learn that it's the family that should be the ones imparting the faith. Instead, what's happened now, we we expect parents now expect that to happen in the schools and in the parishes. Well, there there's an extent certainly where they have their that that role to supplement what the parents are doing, but the parents are the primary educators of. Of the parent of the child in general, but all the more so that holds with supernatural realities. And I really believe one of the reasons why children are falling away from the faith is the failure of the parents, um, not just cooperate with that faith. And, and and foster it, but to actually be the primary teachers and to see that that's their mission to communicate the faith to their children.
1: And part of the challenge is the inattentiveness, the overly busyness that prevents this, right. but also the busyness of extracurricular activities that burden you so much that you delay and you delay and you delay. That's and right. to the point where 18 years later, that child's gone off to college, has really lacked any solid formation. Their major questions about that's faith right. and morality were never answered and then is there any surprise they stop going to church
2: that's right and and gosh we, we all hope and pray that they could find their way back through through other mentors or other people that come in their lives but yes if that faith is really fostered in family life and in in uh routine worship of the family together uh, much is going to be lost and yes but again i think again the primal reason is is that if the faith is communicated by the parents and fostered and lived and really witnessed. Um, that's they're going to really suffer. In fact, this holds all the more so for the father. And so even by canon law and by church teaching, the father has the primary role, especially in religious formation. And at the end of the day, they say the, uh, roughly statistics are about two-thirds of all children go the way of the father because he is that ultimate uh, spiritual authority in the home. And ultimately, the children will, will go in his direction.
1: And this gets back to the church and its teaching as man in his born right as leader, as protector, right. as provider, provider, that priestly role that's, that's so right. important in the family that the
2: father holds. That's right. He's he's that priest, prophet, and king who who serves selflessly in Christ. But yes, the prophet who he must teach. And you know, it's interesting, Timory, when, when I talk to some parents, at least very conscientious parents, they find a great joy in teaching their children the faith. You know, it's not something that's arduous or something that's a pain to them. They find it th- to express the faith and teach the mysteries of the faith. They, they realize how that primal duty, when they carry it out, what great joy it gives them.
1: And there's ultimately growth that's taking place in the parent as right. well. They're learning their faith more, or they're learning it in a different way because of how they're having to accommodate and teach the child, no matter what the age range might be.
2: Absolutely. And yeah, and just and in any subject, when we take on the role of teacher, we can't tend to know a subject in a whole different realm. We have to understand a whole different way. And yes, to boil it down, sometimes it's simple to terms appropriate for a child's age. Um, that takes a thinking process about what one's teaching to communicate it to a certain age level. Yes, there is growth, a lot of growth in that.
1: And it's a matter of knowing your audience, because I can tell you when I'm talking about certain things having to do with abortion, gender ideology, I need to know my demographic, age, everything really well, because one group, it might work really well to share this truth. But another group, if they were to hear that, they might not be ready for it. And it actually might anger them and harden them to hearing the message of truth about human sexuality.
2: That's right. You know, as that scholastic axiom, you know, everything is received in the mode of the receiver. And so whenever we teach children, it's very important, and the church has emphasized this, we church, teach children for the level of, uh, level of, uh, that they can actually learn at and try not to teach. You can challenge them a little bit, but it's always appropriate to teach audiences, be that child or any kind of audience, in a way that they could properly receive that information.
1: You can find Dr. Chavez and his work at the Men's Academy, just head over to themensacademy.org. He has excellent work calling men into their mission, calling for deeper formation in Catholicism and masculinity. Thank you for being here, Dr. Chavez. We will be right Pleasure. We will be right back. We'll be talking more about character formation, addressing issues of anorexia and cutting, so don't go away.
0: Timmery will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timmery, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics.
1: Timmery here. I'm in studio with Dr. Philip Chavez of the Men's Academy. You can find them at themensacademy.com. I have coming up some questions having to do with anorexia and cutting that were sent to me by a listener, and I think this is actually very relevant to the topic we have today, touching on just this identity confusion overall and the challenge to character formation. But first, I want to talk about a theme in Catholic theology that, I mean, has always been f- so fundamental, but sometimes is missing a component. Dr. Philip Chavez, in your work, you talk about how, uh, especially in the last couple pontificates, starting with Pope Paul VI, and really through much of the teachings of Pope uh, St. John Paul the Great, we talk about the person as a gift. And we right. talk about how fundamental that is, that self giving, life giving love. But you actually talk about how, in order to give yourself as a gift, you first have to learn that self-possession and custody of your faculties
2: yes well that in part in giving of oneself and in loving others we always want to love according to what's good now in order to do that we certainly need to to know what the good of the other is and so this is where a lot of us can be mistaken on what the nature of love is but when we tr- truly and properly uh, carry out the good of, of, of others, we need to carry out in such a way that that's harmonious. Loving others is an act of the will. And so if there's no self-discipline, um, say, in the person, then their, their loving another might be indulging them or something, or it might be even on the other extreme to withdraw things from them. If a person isn't self-possessed, say, in their emotional life, if they're inclined too much to anger, their anger is going to come through in what they think are loving acts. So if a, a parent may find themselves in disciplining their child, which they must do, they, if they discipline in anger and they're, they're not self-possessed emotionally and, you know, with a, with a sense of calm and peace in their hearts, and they do their best, but if they do it in a tone of anger, that is going to disaffect the child
1: interesting so this is where that gift of self is challenged by lack of formation ultimately and so this is where we need to regain that balance again of Character formation comes first because you can't give what you don't have. That's right. That's what it comes back to.
2: That's right. And so sometimes, you know, as parents, uh, they easily make the mistake on what's good for the child. Maybe an excess, you know, of, of, of too many things outside the home is not good. When there needs to be more home time, you know, it's a loving act to get children together, especially for dinner time. These other, these things and others like that, where more communal activities within the family are fostered, that definitely brings a more loving environment.
1: Can you speak to some other practical examples of, formation.
2: Much of the, especially as you talk about self-possession and um, and things alike are, you know, proper emotional adjustment. You know, we have to remember much of that happens in early life, in early childhood. And so sometimes, say, when a child is growing, the parents have to be very observant what's going on in the child. So if a child is easily frustrated, a parent should be attentive to that and to try to teach the child to be calmed down. If a child is rushing at things, a parent needs to see that, oh, i got to teach my child now how to calm down and do these things more order or if they're doing things say in haste or without right cause sometimes if a child begins to understand what it's doing properly um, and the causes and the reasons for why th- that's a good thing and sometimes too we we expect children uh, to carry out certain tasks without properly showing them how to do it and so you know sometimes parents will get frustrated with children how when they take out the trash well you should be a good example and show Show children actually how that's to be done, and do it in a calm demeanor, and not so, a demeanor by which you're stressed, or you're you're you're, you're, you're angry, or frustrated, or whatnot. It's sh- it, all teaching should be done in peace. But again, children need to be shown many things that you ask them to do, because if if it becomes a mystery about how to carry it out, the child's going to be otherwise frustrated on that level as well.
1: This challenge to emotional maturity makes me think of how they're showing in a lot of studies that some kids, if they're pulled away from their cell phone for a period of time, all of a sudden experience all these emotions that they don't know how to understand. And it's overwhelming. They've never experienced boredom or they've never actually allowed themselves to just feel that sorrow without the distraction, the dopamine kicks of the notification from social that's media right. and the phone and so one thing and I've seen my, one of my friends do this really well with her kids that she'll really if the kids got something going on that's distressing she'll try to understand okay what is he or she saying right sure. and then say okay I'm sorry you're feeling sad right now and then goes through trying to both acknowledge like the feeling or acknowledge what they're saying so that, that gives that affirmation to the child and allows them to understand themselves so that they can move past it. The
2: that's right. And I think um, that's that's very good. Yes, the child should somewhat understand the nature of its own emotions. So yes, when a, when a parent can help identify those emotions and validate that, oh, I see you're being frustrated because of this. Oh, I see you're angry because of that. Sometimes it's often good to validate these things and identify, okay, and then ask, okay, what, what's the source of this? Maybe we could sort this out. Yes. And I think the emotional life needs to be validated and emotions at all levels. And there's a reason for every emotion that a child has. And so for those negative emotions that arise, a parent does need to kind of examine those and look into that, you know, for the child and help them through that.
1: That's Dr. Philip Chavez. You were listening to Trending with Timory. I had a listener question come in, and it was really asking the question of, can you give me help regarding how to help people who are struggling with issues such as cutting in anorexia and when I received this question I thought it felt so well into this theme of this week of ultimately I think at the heart of the issue is this need for character formation so that prior to these things becoming an issue uh, the parents aware the parent is forming the character the child's knowing how to navigate its challenges because ultimately especially the issue of anorexia it's a form of you know not perceiving reality is what it is you know it's someone who right. thinks they're obese or hates their body for whatever reason, and at the heart of that is this lack of affirmation of their own person.
2: I think that's right. Now, so when it comes to things like anorexia or bulimia or cutting, maybe to make two comments, first of all, and not, not the most important, but um, usually if somebody gets to those levels that is where there's a serious, serious episodes, they do need some professional help in many cases. But generally, for, as regards to the parents, I think it, in great measure we must understand anorexia or uh, cutting as something which is physically played out which actually the reality is in the heart Mm -hmm. and so and so in anorexia there is a a deprivation of feeling love this emptiness believing one thing of another that to x yeah they're 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 obese or something they're actually very much not or in the case of cutting you know that's a radical move for somebody to take that kind of step to their own body which is very contrary to what it is to preserve our own our own selves and And I think, though, that that, that's somewhat of a reflection of a division or a rupture that's going on with the heart of that person. Well,
1: isn't this the same exact issue of this gender identity? It's become so trendy among teenagers as a cry for help, a cry for attention, a cry for unconditional love that instead they no longer know if they're a boy or a girl. They're suddenly cutting, um, experiencing anorexia. You know, I always say this when I was a kid, anorexia and bulimia were a thing in the dancing world. Now, you know, today for teenagers, it's transgenderism to get a parent's attention.
2: That's right. And so it's good to validate uh, the child or a little boy in those those activities they're engaged in the girls. She's uh, engaged in, you know uh, Boys when they're young, they're going to be rambunctious. They're going to be uh, They're going to be difficult in certain things. They're going to be they're going to try to explore and be rebellious and whatnot And so I think it's very important to try to validate what is proper in boyhood and again to try to bring it back to to a right measure but but yes, if girls are validated and boys at a level by which their dignity is seen as boys and girls, male and female, yes, they're going to have all of these questions about their own sex identity.
1: And, you know, at the heart of this, if a child can understand that they are unconditionally loved. It doesn't matter what you do to please me, nor does it matter what you do to fail. My love for you will never change. There may be punishment, ramifications, but that love doesn't change. I think at the heart of this, that is now an affirmed human being who's no longer going to question or try to draw attention to themselves in order to get that love and affirmation.
2: That's right. And I think, Timory it's interesting. I I could be wrong when I say this, but I think the best way of showing unconditional love to a child is believing that you are unconditionally loved yourself, because you can't give what you don't have. And so, and so for a person to receive uh, love first and to walk through that journey, I think is vital, because otherwise there's are going to be stressed trying to give that if they even understand it to their own children. And so this is why prayer in its in its primal dynamic is to actually receive to receive god's love his person his identity into us that's our first act or the most open act of prayer it is actually something very receptive
1: so maybe you yourself are struggling with this lack of self-esteem lack of love lack of affirmation whatever it might be and often most people have different things and wounds festering in their own heart This is where our faith is so fundamental, turning to God the Father as our Heavenly Father to heal every fatherly wound, turning to the Blessed Virgin Mary to heal those wounds and taking them as our true parents that they are. You know, when we say honor your father and your mother, there's a reason why it's at the beginning of the Ten Commandments because it's really drawing closer to that honor of God and how that authority of the parents really ties into that as well.
2: Sure. And if we do what scripture tells us to go into our rooms and shut the door and pray to the god you know in secret and he in secret will repay you when we do open ourselves up to god in quiet god repays us fundamentally with himself with his own identity with his own personhood and i think one of the reasons people don't experience this love and affirmation of god oftentimes what i find is most people aren't doing enough of putting themselves in that quiet place so they can receive the god who does want to fill them
1: dr chavez where can people find you in your work
2: they can find me at themensacademy.org
1: no, sorry, dot org. I think I said dot com earlier. Men's Academy dot org. Do you have any upcoming events?
2: Well, a big one we're uh, putting together, which you spoke at last year. We, we're now going to be doing this uh, uh, flipping East Coast and West Coast. But the Mask and Genius Institute, the fourth annual summit, will be on September 21st in Philadelphia. So, we're very much looking forward to that.
1: Excellent. So, if you're on the East Coast or want to travel out, you can find information at the org. Yes. If you would like to hear more topics covered on trending, you have a question, or hint, hint, you want to give us a review, head over to radiotrending.com. You can pull us up on iTunes Podcast or Google Play and many other great resources for taking trending with you on the road. And by your review, you are giving support to our work in helping other people discover trending
0: this has been trending with timary to book her to speak or learn more about her guests visit radiotrending.com that's radiotrending.com you can listen to more of trending via the podcast on itunes google play or the iheart radio app where you can share your favorite episodes